Welcome to Sparks, a podcast from Ignium, designed to help you reignite your passion and drive your business forwards. In this episode, Dean and I talk about the world of coaching and how the questions we ask really have a transformative effect on people's lives. We talk about how we stay out of the subject with a client to make sure we can remain impartial to give them the guidance they need, but by helping them answer their own questions so they get their own answers. I'm sure you're going to love Dean's points around remaining impartial throughout the conversation and what that does for people over time. Welcome to the Ignium Sparks podcast. Uh, I'm Phil Rose, your host, and today I'm joined for a collaborative conversation with Dean Hefter. Dean works with leaders and helps them through coaching, communications, training, and leadership development. And he runs a great business uh, called Claris Results. And I'm always interested in when people use the word Claris because Claris has a meaning to me. And I'd just like to ask Dean, what does Claris Results mean and what is it you do? Hey, it's great to be here, Phil, and I'm glad to have you on my podcast as well. This is a neat experience for us to interview each other and share the content and introduce our audiences to each other. And that's a great question, right? So uh, the word Claris, I get asked that, it really goes back to the Latin roots of the word around clarity or clear. And when I was starting my practice, my vision was really about helping leaders and individuals increase the clarity, not only about themselves as individuals, because we bring ourselves to everything we do, but also what is our organization here to do? Can we increase the clarity of that? And that really brings us to understanding uh, personal awareness, understanding the direction of our organization, the purpose our organization exists, and the things that must be done for us to achieve our, our goals. And for me, it's it's that illumination, you know, bringing the light and increasing the clarity, so that we can have those moments to say, "Ah, now I know what I need to do," and that's for me my guiding light in the interactions that I have with leaders and organizations. Yeah. How about for you? Tell me about Ignium. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? We both go to that Latin Latin word. And I was, it takes me back to my Latin when I was at school, actually, Dean. And I never never learned the word ignium at school. Um, but I did Latin to what we called O-levels in the UK, which ages me because O-levels stopped the year I, I finished it and moved on to something called GCSE. So for any UK listeners, O-levels stopped in 1987. Um, and, and I did Latin as O-level. Um, and, and Latin, it's interesting. I always had the phrase in my mind, Latin is, a, Latin is a dead language. It's as dead as dead can be. It killed the ancient Romans and now it's killing me, which I come back to because that's the one thing of Latin I still remember. But having said that, I take the bit of Latin that I love. And for me, um, I went to Rome a few years ago and I love going around Rome and looking at it and realizing now as, a, as an older person, the layers of history that sit in Rome. And Rome wasn't built in a day, as they say. It took many years. And for me, when I created Ignium with Kerry, we wanted a name that meant something, but gave us some clarity and use the word clarity around Claris. For me, Ignium was the word we chose because it means to ignite. And we wanted specifically to ignite people's passion for their business or reignite their passion. Because for us, once you've got a business, often we all go into business with this passionate way of doing things. And I talk about people getting onto the journey with real excitement and gusto and thinking, hey, this is my... My purpose in life is to run this business. I'm excited. And over time, that excitement sometimes fizzles out. And we want to help people pick up that journey again and reignite and boost themselves back up into orbit of where they want to be. So Ignium is about igniting that passion. And you know, we call our podcast Sparks because we want to ignite the spark in your business and reignite that spark 
which then engages your team. Because if you can get your team built behind that spark, actually we get the whole world turning. Um, and to me, that's what Ignium is. So, um, so I go back to my Latin roots uh, and think actually I did take some good stuff away from it. And it was the, that love of what language really means and how we can bring that to bear and what Ignium consulting is. And interesting, we call it Ignium consulting. Actually, we're a mix of consulting and coaching. And I sit more on the coaching arm because that's what I love. And I think I started life, I started life as an engineer and slowly over time moved into strategy consulting. But I realized actually the real benefit for people comes from coaching them. And when I help them find the spark in themselves, I know I can help them do great things for themselves. So that's where I come at the world from. That's if I may, Phil, um, you know, right now there's this very powerful movement around coaching. And it's a very mm -hmm. commonly used phrase in business and in the world. And from your perspective, like what what makes great coaching unique? What sets it apart from consulting? Ah, that's a that's a, you know, that's a really good question, actually. I used to talk about an and conversation, coaching and consulting. Um, and, and I think sometimes, you know, as a pure coach, uh, we ask questions. As a pure consultant, you give answers. And to, to answer your question a slightly longer way, I started life as an engineer. Um, and as an engineer at Rolls-Royce, I was paid for the answers I gave because the answers I gave literally kept planes in the sky because that's what our engines did. So I had to get things right. And the difference I found as coaching over the last 20 years is actually that coaching is about helping other people find their own answer. Because actually it's not my answer that matters. It's your answers, the individual I'm talking to. And so often as consultants, we come in and we give people the answers. And actually that's a bit like give a man a fish and I'll eat for a day, teach a man a fish and I'll eat for a lifetime. Coaching is about helping you find that real answer in yourself or your business. And then you can start doing it to other people. If everyone started coaching, we can actually really dig into what's going on for people. So to me, pure coaching, and I'm, a, I'm an ICF, International Coaching Federation accredited coach. And for me, coaching is around co-creation of ideas, but me bringing the questions which enable you as the client, if I was working with you, to come up with your answer that matters to you. That's what's key. I don't know how you see coaching. Tell me what your, your thoughts are on that, because obviously you, you sit in the same space as me in that coaching sense. What's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, certainly. And, and from, I, I would imagine from your engineering um, history, it can be very easy to fall into that solving problems for others mode. So it takes a lot of self-awareness. I know from, from my experience, it's very easy to have a, a tendency to want to help people when they say, here, what, should, what do you think I should do? And putting on that coaching hat, it takes really my experience is a self-management and a self-awareness to be able to hold back or at least recognize that in this moment, I have an opinion that I think they should follow. But yeah. then I also look at the experience that most people don't take advice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's really going to make a difference and why I'm passionate about coaching is that people believe more of what they conclude. And so I'm going to be able to have a bigger impact on their outcomes if I'm helping them with their conclusions yeah. rather than giving them answers like the world isn't lacking for knowledge i mean yeah. if the world was lacking for knowledge everybody would work out every day nobody would be overweight nobody would be smoking everybody be millionaires yeah. like people aren't aren't broke because they don't know better right so how do i in that conversation in that moment have the ability to ask a different question that helps mm -hmm. to create that 
that awareness of what they can do or what they should do or what needs to be done that they actually believe. And I think that's mm -hmm. where coaching, even in consulting practices, like both you and I have, coaching comes in as, um, as kind of that X factor yeah, yeah. Of, of, of creating the change that lasts rather than the change that fixes that problem in the moment. Yeah. Do you know, I think there's two things you said there, which really resonate with me, that word awareness. Uh, and it reminds me of something, and I can't remember who this is attributed to. I think it's Eckhart Tolle, which says, awareness is the greatest agent for change. And to me, as a coach, use that word awareness. Actually, that's what we do. We help bring things that other people can't see to their awareness. And it's a bit like holding up that mirror. And I think too often we look in the mirror and we see what we want to see. We don't see, you use the example, you know, the, the overweight, the drunk, the person who's not been, been to the gym for a long time. We don't see that. We see what we want to see. And I think what a great coach does is they hold up the mirror and really help you look in it and say, this is what you see. And for any of those listening, I'm holding my hand to Dean now saying, you know, this is your mirror. Because actually we can bring that awareness. And that's, I think you mentioned that X factor. That's the bit that brings the lasting change. When people really see what's in there. Uh, as, as an example, I was on a coaching supervision session for my own benefit this morning where I'm, I'm working with other coaches and I, I'm very good at coaching myself. But what, we, what I've realized over time is I often ask myself the easy question. I don't do it consciously, but I give myself the easy way out. And what I think a coach does, a coach helps you look at the journey a different way and say, okay, if you go this route all the time and keep taking the right lane, where are you going to end up? But actually sometimes you may want to take the other route. And that's sometimes the hard questions to ask yourself. And as a coach, I think we, we, our role is to stay out of collusion with the client to make sure that they get the results they need, not the results they uh, would normally get if they asked themselves those questions. So our, our, our secret source, use that word lasting change, is enabling them to really create lasting change for themselves by asking the difficult questions sometimes. And sometimes the ones that don't want to be asked. And it reminds me, I've, I've done a LinkedIn post recently, and it, um, it talked about the word conflict. And I think sometimes conflict comes because we don't ask the right questions of ourselves. Well, yeah, we, I mean, <laughs> we, are, um, we are continually making meaning of the world around us. And that meaning is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. Where do those stories come from? It comes from the things that we see the uh, the story we tell about the thing that we see and then we begin to become mind readers about other people's intentions or you know things like that and and i i have to be very cautious of not trying to become a mind reader and um it's it's not helpful because now i begin imposing my beliefs my experiences my um intents onto others and if they're doing something that is in a way different than I would have done, now I'm beginning to assume that they're doing that on purpose yeah. with, with, with malintent towards me. And then suddenly we, we aren't communicating at all. And, and I think there's a, there's a really big thing on that, isn't it? Because I think too often, you know, we all, we all know what assume means. And I think too often we do make those assumptions and we assume so much about each other. And, and that point about mind reading, and um, I remember when I, when I set up my first real business, um, I realized as an engineer, sales was the bit I needed to learn. And Marcus, who, who helped with my sales back in 2005, used to use a process called the Sandler sales training technique. And if you ever come across Sandler, Sandler is just, just an approach. 
Um, but it's a very good approach to helping you understand things. And, and Sanlit is about really getting under the skin of the question, the, the, the questions the prospect needs to ask for themselves. Now, I'm not a sales trainer, that's not what I do, but the bit that sticks in my mind is no mind reading. Because actually, once we start mind reading, we just assume what the prospect needs. And it's the same in a coaching perspective. If we're, if we're assuming, if we're mind reading, it's our thinking that's going into your head, not, not yours. And that may not be where you want to go. Just because I see the world this way, doesn't mean you don't see it a different way. I think that's the key that really comes in as a coaching. It's a powerful coaching tool, I think. I've got a, a, a comment and then a question for people <laughs> who want to get better at coaching themselves that I'm curious about from you. But, you know, the one thing I was thinking about here was um, a comment from Carl Jung that said, you know, the, the thing you most want to find is where you least want to look. And that seems to be the place where great coaches um, spend their time is helping people find those places they don't really want to look maybe and, you know, lifting some of those lids so we can see those things. But I'm curious if I'm a listener of this and I hear that that comment you made about self-coaching and I, I recognize that, you know, that could help me in the conversations I'm having with myself. How do I improve my self-coaching? Mm. That, that's a great question isn't it because because we all think we're good at these things and i think it's interesting isn't it um i i read a book which is on my bookshelf over here called the trillion dollar coach um and one of the authors of that is um eric schmidt ex of google um and he used a phrase which i used to quote and i'll get it wrong which basically along the lines of everybody needs everybody needs a coach and and to me the reason we all need a coach is like we, we often talk about sports teams having coaches and a coach is that person who can see things that you can't see. They can stand on the sidelines. They can watch the game in action and they can see stuff that you can't see because they're not in it. And I think this thing with self-coaching is we're in it sometimes and therefore we can't see the woods around us. We're stuck in it. And, and sometimes we need, to, we need to raise ourselves up above it. And I have to say, use the word, what's the context? What's the context for the decisions I'm making at this point in time? What's the context for the journey I'm on? What's the context for the other person? Or, or without assuming it, and then saying, okay, and what also could it be? So sometimes you, you come back to the, the quote you raised there about the, uh, the, the, the answer you want to, the thing you want most want to find is where you least want to look. I think sometimes to self-coach ourselves, we need to ask us, where would we look? And then say, and where would someone else look? What's the other question we want to ask? Because I think then we might come up with a different answer. Or, or the phrase that often has been used is, um, what would XYZ person do? How would they look at it? And, and choose anybody you want to put in there for XYZ. Mm -hmm. But then you can get a different perspective on it. What would they see if, I, if they were solving the same problem? What would Einstein see? What would Jung see? Or bring it closer to home, come up with somebody that you know that who's successful in running a business. How would they look at this? this? Could you use that word map of the world? Um, and from an NLP perspective, um, an NLP, for those who don't know, you know, it's a combination of lots of other psychologies coming together. But from an NLP perspective, we say the map is not the territory. Because actually, you and I could both look at a map of the same piece of land, and we can perceive it in different ways. And I think too often within self-coaching, we look at the map, and we see what we want to see. We miss the obvious. So I think my view is on self-coaching, actually, Look around to what's not, what's, what's the thing that's really that you should be looking at, not the things you're looking for. 
I love it. And it's maybe being aware enough to just ask a few more questions and not settle at the first answer that pops into our head about the why or, or, you know, my performance. And in many ways now with, with the digitization of a lot of things, we have uh, more access to being able to see ourselves. We can record meetings, we can record presentations, we can record things and listen to them. Now, I haven't met anybody that enjoys hearing their own voice or seeing themselves on camera. And so it can be painful. But if you remove yourself and look objectively at it and say, okay, if I was watching this, what would be the things that stand out to me? Mm. And and looking at it not as uh, in judging yourself, but observing that person as the performer. And um, maybe that gives us some different perspectives and and actually that's an interesting coaching technique isn't it because because a lot of the time we talk about um metaphorically sitting in different chairs and from a coaching perspective you asked about how people self-coach themselves um i've been running a workshop in the uk in the last few few months in fact um helping people understand conflict and how they have different conversations and conflict in whatever that means to people um and i asked them to think about uh, a situation where they where they avoid conflict because they're, they're, they're scared or they've got some fear going on for them. And I also then say, okay, let's try and let's try and unpack it and ask them, let's go and sit in the other person's chair metaphorically, walk in their shoes and just say, what could be going on for that person? If I was them seeing the world through their eyes as they see it, hearing the world through their ears, sensing it the way they do, what would they see, feel and hear? And now we can't, presuppose it but we can actually just come up with some assumptions and then say if that's what they're seeing and hearing feeling, what might we need to do differently and, and i think it's an interesting one um and, I, and i'll finish this bit first and i'll come on to that um the bit then to say okay and now if i was an observer watching those two people having the interaction watching me having the interaction with that person which i'm fearful of if that's the case what would i see as a third party outside of this view and how could I then take it and say, okay, what would I do differently? What would I notice about those two people? What would I notice about the way they're standing? What would I notice about the way they're talking to each other? What would I notice about the way they're, uh, and, and I use the word here, egos are getting in the way sometimes. Because actually, if that's the big thing that really stops most people is because their ego is shutting them down. It's stopping them seeing what they really need to see. And therefore, the conflict just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because it's two egos clashing head on. And I think that's the, the frame is, but it takes quite a big, big, big step to be able to do that on your own, to step out and float out of your body, so to speak, and see it from a different angle. But that's a, one way I say self-coaching. If yeah. you can do that, it's a marvelous opportunity. Yeah, it's very, very meta, if you will. And, and one of the things that I found yeah. to be helpful when you, when you mentioned conflict and really, you know, that breakdown of communication is um, one of the tools that I use is called process communication model in helping people become more self-aware and, and aware mm. of what's happening around them with others. And what, um, what the science uh, from process communication model fa- has found is, you know, inside all of us, we've got access to six different perceptions of the world. Okay. And one of those six is likely going to be very strong for us in how we perceive the world. And that's going to affect the information that comes in that we use to process. And so for some people, you know, the, the, the six is really using thoughts. You know, what's yeah. the facts that I'm looking for? Could yeah. be opinions, you know, using my value system to understand and process the world. It might be emotions, mm-hmm. how I'm feeling about things and, and experiencing the emotions around me or reflections, the, the visualizations of possibilities in my own mind 
or mm -hmm. reactions, right? The likes and the dislikes and how I react to the world or actions yeah. where I'm focused on what's the doing that we can do. And yeah. if you, you look at that, what if I'm not aware of the perception I'm using, I'm going to project the assumption that the other person I'm interacting with is going to use the same perception as me. Yeah, interesting. So okay. if my strongest one is thoughts using facts and logic, and I am interacting with somebody that is primarily using emotion, hmm. I'm going to, hmm. <laughs> deep down, I'm thinking there's something wrong with them. They're not thinking clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think how often do we see that in people? Because we, we think that there's something wrong with them. I'm not, they're not thinking clearly. So tell me more about that. So process communication model, six perceptions. I wrote down there thoughts, opinions, emotions, reflections, reactions, and actions. So how would people go about finding out where they're coming at the world from? Because that's quite interesting. You've got to understand where you're coming at first before you can do something about it. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, certainly it's a very deep science. NASA uh, was really behind a lot of the, the science in the development during their shuttle program, and, okay. and Pixar Studios uses it. So it's, it, there's a very deep science behind it, but it's also very simple. So you think about that. What do, I, what do I connect with when I think about those things? Do I, you know, in that moment, in that meeting, am I thinking about organization and structure and logic and facts. And we need to find more information about this. If that's my tendency, yeah. that's probably one of my strongest ways of experiencing the world. Okay. Right. Or do I find myself really focused on, you know, the, the purpose and the commitment and the value and the impact and sharing my opinion and wanting to know other people's opinions. And can I trust this person? Well, if that's where I tend to, I'm probably pretty strong in that opinion perception yeah. or on the emotion side. Is it really about, you know, how are they going to feel about this change and mm -hmm. you know, how I, how I feel about this relationship. And I'm just not sure that they really like me and, and care for me. So I'm very tuned into that emotional side. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be part of that perception reflections when I'm thinking about possibilities and that movie projector is running in my mind and I'm imagining things that, Maybe other people aren't even seeing. That's very reflection. Reaction is, you know, do I do I want to have a good time and 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 be with people that are fun and lively and you know, give me a high five and and react to things. You know, that that gets me excited and tell a funny joke. Or am I really about what's the what's the challenge? Yeah. What's the goal? And let's do something. I don't want to sit here and talk for two hours about what we could do. I'm going out and I'm gonna make it happen. And when I, you know, people immediately have a reaction of what they know they aren't very connected with and what really resonates with them. Yeah. And so that can begin giving us some windows into, ah, this is why my spouse and I have these frustrations, uh, you know, on vacation is because we're seeing such different things. Uh, and, and I'm laughing as you say that because it, it is, you mentioned spouse. Often that's where we see those differences really come out with the person we know the most. Uh, and, and uh, you know, th there's this disconnect between where people are at. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we, we, we often marry people who are like us, but like us, but also unlike us. And I think when you talk about their thoughts and opinions, you know, I'm just thinking about my wife and she won't listen to this podcast because uh, uh, I've asked that before. But if she was listening to it, she would come back and she's very much the emotional one. She'll see it from the emotion point of view. She'll reflect on things, whereas I'm more of the thinking side of things. 
And I think it's really interesting how you put that across just to help you understand what you can do differently about it and just reflecting where is that other person coming from? And, often, and the good news is we have access to all six of them. Okay. okay. We have them in us. This isn't a question of different types of people like, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not the emotion person. Well, in <laughs> fact, that is a part of me and I can use that to connect. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So, so I, I, the, the, the thoughts going through mind is a lot of models in business and in communication, they're all, I use the word simplifications of reality. And, and often we try and overcomplicate these models because to me, that's a great model. When you talk there about the you know, process communication model, that model is, is a simplification. It puts, puts us into those areas. But the bit you said there is we all have the ability. We've all got those within us already, but we choose to go down a different preference because of our, our, the way we are. It's the way we, you know, often I think about, you know, it's your values and the beliefs and just maybe the way you've been schooled or educated over, over the years will take you down this route. But what you're saying is that we've all got the ability to go into any one of these if we needed to. And actually, you then see the world through a different set of eyes. Which is fascinating in the sense of just building that model up and people listening to this. And we, we talked there about how would you self-coach people? And, and if you could look at the world through a different perspective, you would see different things. And I think that's a powerful, powerful point to take away for people using that process communication model. Does that, is that, is that how you would typically use it? I, it's, there's so many applications, but when you think about the work that you do with um, strategy and helping companies scale up, we, we know that there's a, a critical component of innovation as a part of that. Yeah, yeah. And if we're going to innovate, we have to be able to see opportunities in ways that we haven't seen them before. We have to be creative in how we bring pieces together and we need all six of those perceptions to really come to life, whether it's in ourselves or in our teams, if we're going to understand what innovation and growth really means in serving our customers. Yeah. And if we're too narrow, let's say um, our leadership team are, you know, all of us are completely focused on the thoughts, the facts, the, the logic. We're going to convince ourselves that we, we see the whole world. Yeah, yeah. But we're missing a huge opportunity to really think more creatively and more effectively. And so being conscious, whether it's ourselves saying, hey, how do we acknowledge the emotional aspect of this change? Mm -hmm. Or we need to bring somebody to that conversation that can help us to understand it differently. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. It reminds me of a process which, which I've been using over the last few years, um, design thinking. Uh, and one of the aspects of design thinking is enable you to do that, to see the world through different perspectives. Um, and, and you talk there about you know, business models and strategy, because I think this is one of the key things um, through this last period of pandemic. We've all had to see the world differently. We've all had to perceive it. And, and also, we've also been aware of other people perceiving the world differently. If in the UK, we've been in lockdown for, for a number of times over the last 12 months, where people have not been able to leave their homes, they've not been able to go to work, um, they've not been able to use public transport. And even as the world opens up for us, we're still restricted. And a lot of people still perceive they can't do it because they're, they're running some other pattern which says, I can't do these things. And, and I'm not going to go into what those things might be, but actually I think we need to all be cognizant of that for people. 
Because if we're trying to design businesses or products, we need to think about, well, how would other people understand that? How would they perceive it? That's not to say we can develop a product that fits everybody's needs, but actually in developing a product or a service, we have to be thinking about that from that perspective to understand how would that come across to our customers? What would they think of it? And how would they use it? And I think that's just that's the thought that came to my mind when you talk about innovation. And I, I think that's right. the power that when you talk about coaching and the questions that go with coaching, that as leaders, we can take many lessons away from the world of peer coaching and apply them in our role of improving our ability to understand ourselves, our, our customer, the world, and the opportunities around us. Because yeah. great coaching is really built on great questions. And I think that can help everybody lead at a higher level. Yeah, I get that. So, so I've, got, I've got a question for you. Um, and it links into what you're saying there about coaching and leaders and pure coaching. So one of the things we've seen over this last year at least, and there's been a big movement around this, is very much around um, the word vulnerability and leaders stepping up to become their authentic self. And, and often we have to question who we are so that we can lead from, lead from behind and lead from in front. I wonder, what, what's your thoughts on that in terms of the leadership teams you've worked with, the people you've worked with? How often do you see inauthentic leaders stepping forward and making a transition and opening themselves up? Is this something you've witnessed? It's, a, it's an interesting topic. And um, I guess on one hand, I'm, I'm reluctant to say, you know, <laughs> to, to give advice, you know, okay, yeah. uh, the advice thing. But, you know, the concept of authenticity, for me, I guess I, uh, for leaders, I move towards congruence. And that is, how do we build trust among the people who have entrusted us with the role of leadership? Because there's always this aspect of leadership has been, has been, you know, granted to us. It's really not about a power structure. Every time we're using power to get things done, we're actually giving up our influence. And so it's really not about power. It is about leadership. But mm. what does it mean to be authentic? Does that mean that I have to, you know, confess to you about this mistake I made when I was 22 years old? And I, I'm just being authentic yeah. here. And uh, for me, it's like, well... <laughs> I don't really care, right? People are self-interested. And it's like, I don't want you to be your, your whole self. I want you to be your best self as my leader. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so that's where I think authenticity of intent. Yeah. No. What is their intent? Where are they headed? How are they serving is very important. But the this wholeness of authenticity. And I just wanted, I want to yeah. share with everybody about my fear of spiders. Uh, it's like, I... I don't, I really don't, I don't care. Right. I, I am here to achieve a mission and that's why I'm excited. Um, I, I'd like to continue our conversation too. And we can here for the next portion of this of understanding purpose and, and that excitement piece yeah. uh, from you. So that's yeah. my first yeah. reaction. When I think about authenticity. It's, yeah. it's like many things good in healthy doses, but too much of it becomes toxic, just like water. Yeah. That concludes this first part of the interview with Dean Hefter. In the next episode, we're going to kick off with the word purpose and look again what this really means, especially looking at how people join a business and how they can bring their all to helping owners and founders really build the purpose they're looking for in the future. We'll be releasing that episode soon. Look out for it. Please remember to comment as usual below. Thank you.